The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. So how does the Afghanistan fall to the Taliban affect the people of Israel? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to the broadcast. It is thoroughly Jewish Thursday here on the Line of Fire. That means any Jewish-related question of any kind is perfectly kosher. So 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. It could be about modern Israel today. It could be about Messianic prophecy. It could be about Jewish background to the New Testament. It could be about objections to Jesus being the Messiah. It could be about the Hebrew language, Jewish tradition. If it's Jewish-related... We'll gladly take your calls, and especially those who differ with me, theologically, biblically, love to hear from you, as long as it's Jewish-related, 866-34-TRUTH. So I want to talk about something very serious in a moment, but let, let me back my way into it with an illustrative story. The story is told that there were four scientists who all came to India to study the Indian elephant for one year. One of the scientists was from Germany, one was from France, one was from America, one was from Israel. So they spent one year studying the Indian elephant and then went back and spent another year putting their findings together. And then they each posted their findings at the end of one year. So the, uh, the German scientist posted his, he, he wrote up a study called 100 Ways to Categorize and Analyze an Indian Elephant. Now, if you know anything about German mentality and German scholarship, very systematic, very analytical, very dictionary-like. The French scientist wrote a study, published his, called The Romantic Life of the Indian Elephant. Yeah, the French, right? The American scientist wrote his study. He published his under the title, How to Build a Bigger and Better Indian Elephant. It's the American way. The Israeli scientist posed, uh, published his study, and it was titled The Indian Elephant and the Jewish Problem. In, in other words, it's always, how does this affect the Jews? How does this affect us? How does this affect Israel? So it's, it's a cute story, and it is illustrative of different cultures and different ways of looking at the world and things like that. That being said, Israel is, is very much affected by what happens in Afghanistan. And Israel can also look to America and say, hey, we told you so. We've learned from experience. I'm going to go to an op-ed in the Jerusalem Post in a moment that weighs in on that. But here is how Israel is directly affected. Yeah, Israel is closer to Afghanistan physically, geographically than we are. But that, that's not the big thing. The big thing is that Israel is surrounded by terrorists. So immediately to the north, you have Hezbollah funded by Iran, and and a constant threat. It's only estimated between Hezbollah, Hamas, and potentially other terrorist groups that there are several hundred thousand rockets pointed at Israel at any one moment. If not for Israel's incredible security system, and you can be in Israel and feel perfectly safe as those that go on, on tour with us recognize, if not for their incredibly strong security system, their strength of their army, and their resolve to fight back against terror, 
Israel would have been overrun decades ago. So Hezbollah funded by Iran immediately to the north. So they've destroyed Lebanon. They're entrenched in Syria. Then when you go to the, to the southwest, you have Hamas. And Hamas stands for the destruction of the Jewish state uh, from the river to the sea. Right? Palestine will be free. That's, in other words, no state of Israel. So you have Hamas there also with help from Ir- Iranian funding. Uh, if, if you then go to, to the east and to the south, uh, you have Iran, which has pledged to wipe Israel off the map and wants to be a, a nuclear threat. You have that. Then you have the larger hostility of other Muslim nations that are still not in peaceful relations with, with Israel. And then you have Palestinian Authority, even though that's more friendly than Hamas, you still have all kinds of terror bases there uh, under, the, under the PA, PLO history, etc. So Israel's surrounded by this. When you have radical Islamic terrorists and, and, and movements, groups like Taliban, now take over Afghanistan— Number one, it it brings a tremendous emotional boost to other terrorists. Yes, the cause of Allah. We will triumph. We will crush the West. We will crush Israel. Remember, America to to the radical Muslim world is the great Satan and Israel is the little Satan. One reason America is so hated is because of America's stand with Israel. Another reason America is so hated is because of America's immorality, which gets exported around the world. When the Muslim world looks at America, they think America is a Christian nation, and they think this is what Christianity is. Pornography and compromise and rampant divorce and all kinds of immorality and on and on. When the Muslim world looks at America, they see the U.S. Embassy in Kabul in June, just two months ago, flying the gay pride flag. Even if if it's important to the president and the administration— to say we celebrate gay pride in America, you, you would at least think, and as offensive that is to so many others, you would at least think that they would have the sensibility, you don't do that in a conservative Muslim nation. For what purpose? Encouraging the Muslims to join in in the celebration? So um, America's hated, Israel's hated, they're hated together. Israel's hated then for other reasons in the history of the Jewish people, rejecting Muhammad when he proclaimed himself prophet, and it, it goes back to that enmity So there is this long history that can easily be drawn on. But suffice it to say that when you have, number one, the emotional victory, it does bring encouragement that the cause of Allah is rising on the earth and and the West is running in front of the ferocity of the Muslims. I mean, this is the way it'll be portrayed propagandistically. That's one thing. A second thing is it it now allows for groups like Al-Qaeda and others that have been decimated to, to have a safe place. Remember, we went in to attack the Taliban because they gave, they gave safe harbor to Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. So you have groups like that that can then be re- rejuvenated, and then they in turn feed into other terror groups. So it becomes especially precarious for Israel at a time like, like this. Now, having said that, I do not for a moment want to take away our focus on, on the people of Afghanistan, in particular the Christians there. I mean, the horrible reports are devastating. I watched a video last night where there is a German Christian who was, has been working in Afghanistan for years, was just able to get out with a few others. And he's, he said what's coming there is, is unbelievable. I mean, this is a man who's, who's there. 
someone asked him on this call, this private prayer call, they asked him, is it true there's revival taking place in Afghanistan and the church is growing rapidly? He said, no, there's no revival. He said, growing rapidly, if you have 100 believers, you go to 200, the church is growing by 100%. He said, but he said, we know of maybe, it was like 100-something groups that could have between three and seven people, maybe a little higher in them, you know, so small groups, house, house churches, underground. He said, some claim the number is as high as 400, but either way, you're talking about thousands of believers. If there are thousands more we don't know about, so be it. But he was saying that the way the house church network works, you really don't know how many there are. Because, okay, you, you get saved, and now you start a little Bible study in your home. Now five other people get saved, and now there's another outreach, and you know a neighbor comes, and that person gets saved and goes over to a relative's house. And they don't know. The moment a new group is birthed, it separates from the first. Why? Because they don't want anyone to know who's who. They, if, if, if you get found out, they don't want you to be able to, under torture, reveal that I'm a believer. I mean, that, that's, that's how difficult it is. And now reports that the, the Taliban are, are going house to house. I mean, hearing this confirmed from numerous sources. And, and if you've got a girl in the house over 12, you've got to mark that on, on, on your door because they may just take her as a sex slave. If, if, you know, 25 years old, you're married, they may just kill you, the husband, and take the wife. Uh, I, I mean, utter, utter horror. I saw a video from a believer in Pakistan. His voice was speaking either in, in, in the, the Afghan language, so it was Pushtu, uh, and, and then the, uh, it could have been Arabic because the whole thing was muffled. You couldn't really hear. Uh, so we're just reading the transliteration, the, the translation rather. And he's breaking down crying. He goes, it's not fear. It's not fear, he said, but we have worked for so hard for 20 years, and now it's all gone. They, they were seeing the nation go in a better direction. He said, everyone has abandoned us. And he's crying, everyone has abandoned us. And he, he, he said, look, please, if, if we die, please don't abandon our wives and children. Please take care of them. He goes, I, I didn't plan to be so emotional. You know, he said, we're going to go on with the work. We're going to go on. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's gut-wrenching. It's gut-wrenching. And, and the blood of these people is on President Biden. It's that simple. This is a disastrous decision. It never should have been done this way. And whatever was going on with President Trump and, and Secretary of State Pompeo, whenever they were working towards it, it was not this. It was not this. And let me just say this. If, if this happened under Trump, I'd be just as strong. I'd be even stronger because of Christians standing with him. If this happened under Trump, I, I'd be speaking out against him and, and his wrong decision even more strongly because of evangelicals voting for him. I didn't vote for Biden. I voted for Trump. So I, I would be calling him out even more strongly. But for sure, the plans that were being made were not for this type of haphazard withdrawal with all the warnings against it and all the cautions. If you do this, this is going to be the consequence. That's going to be the consequence. Don't do it. And still going ahead with it. And, and the idea that when President Biden is asked in an interview, day before yesterday, was it? He's asked in an interview, what about, what about the people that are falling from planes? I mean, the, the, you, have you seen the videos from within the planes of people hanging on the planes and starting to take off? Have you read the reports about with one plane was it with, with the, 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 the wheels, the landing gear and stuff? Human remains found there. So obviously somebody maybe cut in half or 
trying to cling on and dropping to the I mean, horror, horror. And when President Biden's asked about this in an interview for what would be a friendly interviewer, George Stephanopoulos, what does he say? Well, it was four or five days ago. What? I was telling Nancy about this before radio. She said, what does it even mean? So atrocities like that, horrors like that, no big deal because it's four or five days. What? This is the president, the, the man that's representing the, the free world? So it's an absolute disaster. And first and foremost, we want to think about the people in Afghanistan, the Christians there, those who are working with America, the women, the girls who suffer the most of anyone. Let's also remember that there are implications for the people of Israel as well. All right, we'll be right back. 866-34-TRUTH with your Jewish-related calls. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Let God arise. Let God arise. Let God arise. The voice of my dear friend, Paul Wilbur. That's the hope of the whole world. That's the hope of Israel. That's the hope of the nations. Let God arise. Here's the good news. In the midst of pain, shaking, upheaval, uncertainty, uncertainty, this is often when God moves the most. This is often when you see revival. This is often when you see great harvest. Look, a lot of people don't change their diet or start to work out until they have a health crisis. A lot of people don't get serious marital counseling and make major changes until they're on the edge of divorce. A lot of people don't learn good financial principles until they're about to go bankrupt. A lot of people don't turn to the Lord and get saved until they hit rock bottom. The, the fact is that it's often through the most unpleasant, difficult times that God's kingdom advances the most. So as the world, the whole world is in upheaval, just COVID, little on everything else, the whole world is in upheaval. This is a great time to pray and believe for God's kingdom to advance in power. 866-34-TRUTH for your Jewish-related questions. So I'm going to go to the phones in a moment, then go back to, to more issues relating to Israel and Afghanistan and some interesting news from the Jewish world as well. Uh, interestingly, Israel, which is so thoroughly vaccinated, not everybody, but a high percentage of the population— is now going through a crisis, a fresh new crisis with the Delta variant. And they're giving third shots to different people, especially trying to vaccinate people, especially like 50 years all, uh, up, uh, give them a, a, another shot. And they're saying that, that out of all the ones that are getting the additional shot, that even though there are many that are sick, that there are none that are in critical condition. So they're, they're claiming that it's, it's better to have the shot, but still there's, there's a new rise because... As I understand it, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, but part of dealing with a vaccine is, let's say you have a flu strain, so it goes through different variants, and then when everything has kind of gone through its cycle, then the vaccine is developed that deals with all of the above and then tested out over a period of years. Because right now it's in the midst of this, trying to solve problem A, while problem B and problem C haven't haven't been fully manifest yet 
and, and then the lack of time to test and, and the other challenges. So right now Israel is, is in some level of upheaval. Things had started to go back to, to a more normal life. Ultra-Orthodox, they were doing very well and they are very, very low percentage of infection. They reopened their schools. So it's a ton of people in small areas together. Now their infection rate has just jumped up dramatically. So the world is in upheaval. Israel's in upheaval. May God's kingdom advance in the midst of this. Okay, with that, we are going to go to the phones, and we'll start with Michael in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, yes. Uh, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Jews generally reject Christianity because they view us as polytheists, essentially. But there's a certain set of Jews that believe in Kabbalah, and they believe in the Ten Sephiroth, and within the Ten Sephiroth, there's about a hundred deities in each Sephiroth. Uh, why is there a rejection of Christianity, but they're perfectly fine with Kabbalah? Right. So, yeah. So a, a few a few uh, misconceptions, but it's an interesting question. One reason that Jews reject Christianity is seeing us believing in, in three gods or simply saying that Jesus is God, which should either be making a man into a God or, or God into a man. So that alone would be considered idolatry. And then more fundamentally, even if you said, well, God is, it's one God, but he's threefold, Jews would believe in an exclusive uh, unity of God in that sense. Uh, then the, the other big, big issue is that for Jews, the whole calling of the Jewish people is to observe the Torah, which Christianity relegates uh, in a secondary way or says it's fulfilled in Jesus. So that would be another very big thing, that the whole purpose of, of Judaism is to honor God by observing the Torah and thereby be a, a light to the world. So that becomes relegated in Christianity. Then the view of the Messiah would be, among other things, that he would bring peace to the world uh, as part of his mission and bring the whole world into the knowledge of God. And they'd say that obviously didn't happen with Jesus. So there are, there are various reasons, but whatever you heard about Kabbalah is, is, is misinformation. Number one, the tense Sefirot are not different deities. They would just be considered different manifestations or aspects of God. And the idea that there are a hundred deities within each Sefirah, may, may I ask where you heard that? Uh, well, there was a, uh, an Israeli, uh, he's a, a professor in Israel, and he put out a book, The Many Forms of God, and he mentioned that, and um, yeah. So, so, so this he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, th what this is, sir, is is, uh, and it's no reflection on you for for getting for getting that information incorrectly because you you got it from an Israeli professor. There are some even within Israel, and I've got some of their books who read things through an extremely hostile lens, or read things that are meant to be metaphorical, and and see them as or literal, or something like that. Uh, I have talked to many, many, many religious Jews who, who reverence uh, Kabbalah as sacred literature and who believe it, it, Jewish mysticism is beautiful. Of course, I, I reject Kabbalah. But uh, they would absolutely categorically say, one God, one God only. These are not separate deities. They're not different levels of deity. It's, it's just the way God reveals himself to us and how he is manifest. Uh, in, in the world, etc. So it would be, sir, it, it would be like someone claiming Christians worship three gods. In, in other words, if someone said to you, well, Michael, do you worship three gods? You'd say, of course not. 
It would be the same with a Jewish person with Kabbalah. They'd be utterly baffled to hear that or that there are 100 deities at each, at, at each level of, of Sphira. Now, having said that, I have used the concept of the Sphirot to deal with Orthodox Jews and say, you look at it this way, we look at it this way, but we're all talking about one God and one God only. Um, so you have, to, you have to sift that carefully. There's much in Kabbalah that I, that I wholeheartedly reject, uh, and of course I don't follow it spiritually in any way. But that, that is a misrepresentation through someone that's hostile to the literature as opposed to a traditional Jew reading it who reads it in terms of one God and one God only. So hopefully that's, that's helpful to you. Okay, Michael? Thank you. Yeah, you are very welcome. By, by the way, are you listening online or on radio? Online. Online, great. Okay, just, just checking when I saw Ohio. Thank you, sir, for the call. 866-34-TRUTH. I mentioned it. Uh, just because the Truth Network that, that hosts us daily just picked up a couple of great stations in Ohio. Uh, w, it's WTOD in Toledo and WTKD, something like that in Dayton. But you're, if you're listening on 106.5, uh, yeah, give us a call. I want to give you a free book, free copy of my book, The Real Kosher Jesus. So if you happen to be listening in Ohio on 106.5, you don't have to come on the air. You just... Call in, say, hey, I'm, I'm listening there, and you'll give us your name and address. We'll send you a free copy of Real Kosher Jesus. Just our way of, uh, of uh, honoring a couple of new stations that just joined the network. 866-34-TRUTH. Okay. Duh, I do not have time to get into Jerusalem Post report, so let me, let me just do this. This is kind of an interesting story. Uh, all right, here's the headline. Unilever or Unilever, protesting Sharat Hadins, this is a legal organization in Israel, take over Ben & Jerry's abandoned trademark. So Ben & Jerry said they're not going to distribute their ice cream in the, quote, occupied territories. So they're going to distribute in Israel proper, but not in Judea Samaria, the so-called West Bank. So according to Israeli law, if you have said you will not distribute in an area, then you lose your rights even your trademark rights, you lose there. Someone else can take them up. So what, what they did, uh, Sharat Hadin, is they are now putting out ice cream. And uh, <laughs> it's, it says Judea and Samaria's finest. It's got a picture of, of Theodore Herzl and then a cow. Ben and Jerry's, that's what it actually says on it, uh, frozen chosen people. So Unilever is saying, you have no right to do that. This is our property. This is our name. This is our image. You have no right to do that. And they're saying, no, no, you have abandoned your trademark rights. You have no idea what you're talking about. You have abandoned your trademark rights. Once you said you will not distribute in our area. And those that are watching, we just put it on the screen if you're watching on YouTube or, or Facebook. So there it is, Judea and Samaria's finest, Ben and Jerry's frozen, chosen people. The only thing I can say, because uh, I don't know the law, I, I, think, I think it's a great way to push back and say, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? As long as it's legal. I love it. Go ahead. Push back and expose the discrimination and expose the double standard. Look, if, if you want to make a statement, why are you selling it in Israel to the evil oppressors, but not, not in Judea Samaria where the, the Palestinians can enjoy it <clears throat> and help their business even more? But that... That being said, if it is legal, and I'm not, a, I used to be an, an ice cream guy and Ben and Jerry's, you know, New York super fudge chunk, you know, that would, yeah, 
eat the whole pint for for dessert, you know, a big dessert because hard to spread it out over two days because I, you know, devour the thing in my in my chocoholic days many years ago. But all that to say, the only advice I'd give if you're going to do it, make sure it's high quality ice cream. You want people because <laughs> initially people will buy it for the novelty, you know, and isn't that cute? Isn't that funny? But then at a certain point, if you're not delivering the goods, they won't. So better to charge a little more and make it really, really high quality, which means super decadent, unfortunately, and unhealthy if you're going to do it and compete with Ben and Jerry's. All right, we'll come back. I want to talk more about Afghanistan and Israel. Look at this op-ed in the Jerusalem Post. Fascinating news about the last Jew of Afghanistan and why he's not leaving. Yeah, more to that story. And then your calls, 866 Three for truth. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. Thanks for joining us on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Thanks, Marta Getz, for that beautiful voice of praise to God. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Any Jewish-related question of any kind, phone lines are wide open. So, interesting story from Afghanistan in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the horror, in the midst of the trauma, in the midst of God knows how many people fearing for their lives, God knows how many people already killed, Reports of, of Christians fleeing into the mountains. It's the only possible place where they can stay safe. They can't communicate with others. It's, it's a dreadful time. And, and I did hear from a Christian that was able to flee, a, a Christian worker was able to flee Afghanistan right at the time of the takeover, one of the few that, of people that was able to get out that quickly. And he said that within the Taliban, you have two factions, one more radical than the other. And they're even praying about that now that the less radical will win the day. It would be really bad under them, but even worse under the more radical. So in the midst of, of all the pain and, and, and all of the, the upheaval and the human suffering and the humiliation of America before the world, if you can imagine for a moment if this had been Trump at the helm, this would be the news story on CNN and other networks for the next year or two, endlessly, endlessly hammering and showing images, and that, that would be it. The fact is there's even some level of attack from the liberal media against President Biden indicates how, how terribly this has been mishandled. All that being said, there are some very interesting stories emerging. So there's one Jew left in Afghanistan, one Jew, and... Uh, an interview that uh, Taliban uh, uh, representative was doing ended up on Israeli television. Now, apparently, he didn't know initially it was Israeli television. They just gave him the, the identity or the name of the TV network, and that didn't mean anything to him. 
And they said, what about Jews in Afghanistan? There's one Jew. And they said, oh, we are minorities are protected here, Hindus and Sikhs. And yeah, minorities are safe here. Yeah. Well, there's one Jew left. And he's not leaving. He said, someone's got to take care of the synagogue and, and so on. There had been a Torah scroll there that had been confiscated, but someone's got to take care of the synagogue and what remains. So he's not leaving. I believe he's in his 60s. His wife and children have lived in Israel for several decades. He said, why would I go to Israel? I don't know Hebrew. Why, why would I go to Israel? Here I can take care of the synagogue. Uh, now, another side to it is that reportedly he won't divorce his wife, which would have been a legitimate reason in Judaism to divorce her and she could get on with a, a new life. But what makes the story more interesting in the midst of all the pain is that there was another Jew who lived there that died a few years back and they like hated each other, didn't get along at all. So you think that's, you know, the joke, two Jews in a room, three opinions. You just think that you're the last two Jews in Afghanistan and you hate each other. <sighs> what a world. What a world. Okay, let me, go, uh, let me go over to this article in Jerusalem Post and share some of it with you. It is by Lahav Harkov, August 18th, how the Taliban takeover changes the dynamics in a Biden-Bennett meeting. Here's an analysis. And the subtitle says, the events that unfolded in Afghanistan were hardly surprising to Israelis. They were history repeating itself. So the timing of Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's trip to Washington to meet with U.S. President Joe Biden next week is notable. Just last week, some analysts were saying that after passing a massive Bipartisan infrastructure bill, Biden is a stronger president than ever, and that Bennett should keep that in mind. But now, after the fiasco of the U.S. pullout from Afghanistan, Biden will be coming to the meeting from a much weaker position in the region than if the meeting had taken place last week or before then. Uh, the events that unfolded in Afghanistan were hardly surprising to Israelis. There were history repeating itself. Israel already knows what happens when it withdraws from territory. It may have worked out mostly well with the Sinai Peninsula, but the two other times out of three, Islamic terrorists took over. First, when the IDF left southern Lebanon in 2000, and then after the disengagement from the Gaza Strip in 2005. In both of these cases, a local population had been trained to keep the extremists at bay. By the way, President Biden's claim that there were 300,000 Afghan military, there are 170,000, by the way, and as opposed to 2,400-plus American soldiers that lost their lives in Afghanistan, a tragic number, although none since February of last year. Uh, so far more dangerous to be in inner cities of America, obviously. But that tragedy of 2,400 lives lost remains the same. During that same time, there were over 66,000 Afghan military killed. So the idea, well, they didn't fight it, they didn't have the courage or the will to fight. President Biden is rightly taking a lot of criticism for saying that. Anyway, back to this article. In both of those cases, so southern Lebanon and Gaza, a local population had been trained to keep the extremists at bay. First, the South Lebanon Army, which worked with the IDF, then Fatah-affiliated Palestinian Authority security forces trained by the U.S. And they were quickly overrun and massacred by Hezbollah and Hamas, respectively. But the Biden administration acted like it had no idea what had happened in our part of the world, or to make comparison, Biden and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken do not like in Vietnam. Uh, by the way, 
Let me just interrupt this for a moment. Faye on Facebook, do you know what's going on in Yisrael about the entire population being the world's laboratory came straight out of Netanyahu's mouth? Bear in mind that the government there is doing its best to protect its citizens and keep them healthy. Just understand that and put all statements in context. Just wanted to address that. Okay, sorry for the interruption. My, my apologies. So, yes, this is our Saigon. This is our Vietnam, our generations. Back to this article. The U.S. intelligence estimate that was made public was that it would take 90 days for the Taliban to take Kabul. It took them less than a week. The U.S. trained the Afghan army to defend its country from terrorists. The soldiers surrendered to the Taliban. Plus, the U.S. said it would give special immigration visas to Afghans who work with Americans. Only a fraction of them have managed to get out so far, and many thousands of Afghans mobbed the airport in Kabul to try to escape. All of this adds up to a U.S. that has far less credibility to make demands of and promises to Israel. Hezbollah is even telling Israel, you can't trust America. The Biden administration is not currently pressuring Israel to make territorial concessions, though it vocally opposes building homes for Jews in Judea and Samaria and seeks a two-state solution in the long term. The U.S., with the exception of the Trump administration, has long sought to offer security guarantees in exchange for Israel withdrawing from the West Bank. With Israel's recent history, it's a hard sell. While a narrow majority of Israelis support a two-state solution, according to many polls, fewer tend to support the territorial concessions that would allow that to happen. And a military withdrawal from the Jordan Valley is something that the political center and center left, in addition to the right, oppose. Israel has never really entertained offers of international forces or U.S. surveillance technology. As former Secretary of State John Kerry suggested, to take the place of IDF boots on the ground in the Jordan Valley. But the current state of affairs in Afghanistan makes American security assurances weaker and less reliable. Who's to say that the U.S. won't get sick of guaranteeing Israel's security and stop doing it? Consequences be damned. The same is true of U.S. security assurances when it comes to Iran. The Biden administration is still pushing for a return to a nuclear deal with Tehran that would allow it to have a nuclear weapon when the deal expires in less than a decade. Washington has asked Jerusalem to work with it instead of making a loud public campaign against the nuclear negotiations, as former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu did saying it will make sure Iran can never threaten Israel with nuclear weapons. And Bennett agreed to greater cooperation on the issue. He'd been saying on Wednesday that he is taking an approach of partnership. But the situation in Afghanistan must give him pause when taking a long-term view on the Iranian nuclear threat. Okay, we'll, we'll stop there. So all that to say that there are many, many other dynamics involved here. All that to say that America's ability to say to Israel, hey, this is the way it's going to be. You get our aid, you get our support, you get our backing, but this is the way it's going to be, and and put pressure on Israel to do things that normally it it might not have done. The foremost example would be pressure on on Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, who was like the, the bulldozer, pressure on him to withdraw from Gaza. Many believe, if not for pressure from President Bush, that that Israel would not have withdrawn from Gaza the way they did. And, of course, it's been a disaster. It's been a disaster for the people of Gaza, and it's been a disaster for the people of Israel. But, obviously, America has a lot less ability to do that. Uh, America has has a lot less ability to to put demands on when when America's been humiliated in front of the whole world. Uh, I mean, NATO's saying that this is is the worst 
the, the worst fiasco we've seen, you know, different NATO leaders and things like that, because they were involved in Afghanistan as well. So, you know, Israel could well say, hey, with all respect, Mr. President, with all respect, uh, you really can't tell us what to do right now, or, or you need us just like we need you. And of course, America does need Israel in terms of its strategic place in the Middle East, aside from the divine perspective, I believe, of, of God calling America to stand with Israel. And with that, stand with Israel as a true friend that loves justice, and if Israel does not treat Palestinians rightly and, and, and walk in ethical ways, then Israel's called on the carpet for it. That's what friends do. 866-34-TRUTH, and all right, let's, uh, let's go over to, uh, tell you what, let's go over to Teresa, and okay, Teresa may not be there, but that was just a call from our station in Dayton, so I want to welcome you aboard. We're here five days a week, this time 3 to 4 p.m., Eastern Standard, so many of you I know listen by podcast or watch us on Facebook or YouTube or download later on, on internet in various forms. So, so thrilled to be speaking to every one of you. It means the world to me that we can reach so many people through this platform. We take it with the utmost seriousness. It's been five days a week for 13 years, and rather than getting old, we are really praying, really seeking the Lord about ways that we can reach even more people and reach them even more effectively. But we are here. Line of Fire, your voice of moral, cultural, spiritual revolution. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you never know which way we're going to go. Thursday, thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Friday, you've got questions, we've got answers with calls on all manner of subjects. So welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you as our listeners. New stations in Toledo and Dayton on 106.5. And check out everything else on this new station as well. Okay, we'll be right back with your calls. 866-34-TRUTH. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks so much for... Joining us on the line of fire on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Hey, Faye, I do know what's going on in Israel. Many of my dearest friends in the world live in Israel. I am in constant contact with Israel. I'm reading insider reports from Israel. So the best thing to do is not, you can share an opinion, anybody, just a word of recommendation, all right? Word of recommendation. If you're posting on Facebook, YouTube, you can differ with me every day of the week. Every post I put up, you can differ with me. Every broadcast we post, you can differ with me. Every live video where I'm giving commentary, you can differ with me. Feel free to do it. Just stay within our guidelines. Don't use profanity. Don't, don't attack others, right? But yeah, you can differ with me. However, you do well not to make ignorant statements because it just makes you look bad. It makes you look like an extremist or someone speaking out of complete ignorance. 
you know, it's like when someone's going to correct me on, on, well, the Hebrew doesn't say this, or, you know, the Bible doesn't say this, I'm making it up or something like that. No, I, actually, you can differ with me, but I've got a whole lot of data. And, and I've been circulating the video from the Orthodox Jewish doctor warning the Israeli rabbinic court about the vaccinations. When friends have asked, you know, what are different views? I said, here are different views. Look at this. I've just sent that link to, to someone else, medical doctor who's just sending me that, that same link. And here he's saying, if you give it to your children, it's a votazar. It's, it's, it's idol worship. You're sacrificing your children to idols. That's how strong he is on this and saying no one should get it. And here we have good treatments uh, that, that will save lives. So I'm quite aware of what's happening. But when you make false statements, remember what Scripture says, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. When you make false, witness, false statements against me or others, then you disqualify yourself from being taken seriously. Plus, you sin. So differ all you want. Differ day and night. But don't make false accusations in the process. Because I don't, I don't want people differing with me. And that's why we have, why do you think we do live broadcasts with calls? <laughs> why do you think we pay to be on the air to do a live broadcast with calls? And then we set up other forums where people can just ask live questions. Why do we do that if we don't welcome discussion? Why do you think it's been hundreds, I imagine thousands of times that I've invited critics and skeptics and people who differ to call in or to tell us why or to post or offer to do public debates. Why do we do this if we don't invite differences? But when you post falsehoods, and I, I just single this out just because it came to my attention when I was looking at our screen. When you, when you post falsehoods, then you disqualify yourself. For, for, for example, if, if I'm debating someone, let's say I'm debating, I'm an old earth creationist and I'm debating a young earth creationist. Let's just say that's the case, okay? Which is not. Let's just say it's the case. And the young earth creationist is Jonathan Sarfati. And I say to him, you don't know Hebrew. If you knew Hebrew, you wouldn't say, well, no, that's idiotic. He knows Hebrew. That's it. Now, I might say I differ, I differ with your interpretation of the Hebrew. But if I said you don't know Hebrew, I just made an ignorant false statement. So that's what I'm encouraging you not to do is to make ignorant false statements towards one another. Also, these things get so polarized. Why do that? Why attack the person in the process? Why not simply say, well, here's where I differ with you. All right, just, just trying to be productive, trying to be helpful, trying try to move forward, good discussion, especially if you have something important to say. Don't disqualify yourself by making ignorant false statements. Fair enough? All right. Let's go back to the phones. We go to Greg in Cary, North Carolina. Welcome to the line of fire. Thanks for calling. Thanks for having me call. Uh, I have a question, but I want to tread lightly because I don't want to, after what you just were talking about, I don't want to um, falsely accuse someone or anything like that. But I was just listening on your Facebook. To, you put, uh, have the videos, and you put on a, a rabbi, and it was talking, it was about when he was talking about Isaiah, he was, he was, interpreting Isaiah and you were and you were playing and you were putting your interpretation of it but I was just curious if I heard this right I don't know if I heard maybe it was miss my mishearing there but I didn't know whether he had said question Paul's um theological um um yeah it was it was rabbi it was rabbi Tovia Singer and he was calling Paul a liar 
and saying that Paul did not study at the feet of Gamaliel as he claimed. That that That's Paul what I that, That's what I and, he and he was even claiming that Paul probably wasn't even a Jew, uh, etc. You know, or or giving place to that idea, right? So that Paul and was lying. Yeah, go ahead. And I have nothing against I have nothing against the rabbi, but I was just curious if that's what I heard, if I heard it correctly, and I, yeah. I guess that answers my question. Yeah, you, so. you heard it, but you have to understand, uh, Tovia Singer is a counter-missionary rabbi who, for decades now, his number one focus in life work is pulling Jews away from Jesus. Now, he wants to pull Jews away from Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism, but his main focus is pulling Jews away from Jesus. We uh, did a private debate in the early 90s and then one on Sid Roth's broadcast uh, that blanketed New York in those days. And then not long after that, as I kept reaching out to him, he cut me off and has refused to deal with me in any setting uh, for all these, all these decades. And there have been times, uh, sir, when, when he has been uh, contacted, for example, he contacted a university a couple hours from me, a Christian university, and said he'd like to come in and do a debate on Jesus being the Messiah, would they host it? And they said yes, and they reached out to me. I said, yeah, of course I'll do the debate, but he won't. The moment he hears it's me, he won't do it. And of course they said, yes, you can debate Dr. Brown. He canceled out. So that, that's happened before. Uh, so he's refused to deal with me and then put up bogus reasons, which we corrected. But he, he is a counter-missionary rabbi, and many of the statements that he makes are extreme. And Excuse me, Dr. Brown, excuse me. What do you, yeah. what do you, he's a counter what now? Or counter, counter missionary rabbi. In oh, other counter words, missionary, counter yeah. missionary, counter missionary. Okay. Yeah. So okay. any Jew who's, who's a believer in Jesus, we're called missionaries, right? And because right. that's a, that's a dirty word in the Jewish community. It, it means either you're coercing people or you're bribing people or you're threatening people or whatever. It ties in with crusades and inquisitions. It's, it's just a bad word, generally speaking. So we're called missionaries. Now, it's true, we have a mission to reach our people with the good news, right, and the whole world. But we're called missionaries, they and they are called they counter-missionaries. They basically, they basically look at um, Jewish Masonic Jews as, as cult, cults, right? As cults. No, we're, worse, than that. Cult. worse than that. Uh, we, we, we are apostates, we are Mishumadim, and if we lived in the time of the Second Temple, some would say we'd be worthy of the death penalty. That, that we are not just deceived, but we are deceiving others. And whereas they would say, some would say it's okay for you as a Gentile to worship God as Trinity, that for a Jew to do it is idolatry. Now, Tovia would say it's idolatry for you to do it as, as well. He takes a more extreme position there. But, you know, he stayed with the message over the years. We demolished his material um, in, in different forms, in the 22-hour video series, his material and others, and then my five volumes of answering Jewish objections to Jesus. But because he's just stayed with this message steadily and now gotten the platform through the Internet that's grown, we just felt it was important to devote time and resources to demolishing his videos one at a time. So we've put out nine uh, so far, and God willing, we'll be recording a bunch more soon. And on each one, what we do is we take one of his videos and dealing with a specific subject. So if, if anyone is uh, on Ask Dr. Brown, either AskDrBrown.org, my website, or Ask Dr. Brown, Ask KDR Brown, our YouTube channel, if you just search for, for singer or counter-missionary, uh, you'll find uh, all of the videos. And what we do is we take one of his, we, we let him state his basic argument, attacking the New Testament, attacking Jesus, the case you're talking about, attacking Paul. 
Uh, and then we pull out some of the most ridiculous outlandish statements because he very frequently makes one that just causes your eyes to cross like, what in the world? It's utterly crazy. And then systematically, factually, we rebut it. What's really interesting, though, and, and, and folks, if, if you followed Tovia Singer and think, well, he's credible, what you don't know is that many times what he's telling you, and he knows it, contradicts Jewish tradition that he will give you the impression that no rabbi believes X, Y, Z, and, and, and plenty do. But if he and told you, showed, you that... You document, and you showed documentation of that in that video. But Dr. Brown, I, have a, I believe that I pray for, I pray for Toby's... Is it Toby Singer? Or, or Tovia, rabbi yeah, Singer? Tovia, yeah. I pray mm-hmm. for him that Jesus save him, because sometimes, you know, look at Paul. Look at, look at how Paul was before he was saved. He, he would persecute... He had uh, people killed for yes. um, becoming Christian. Yes. So I think that, I believe that God could save, I, I believe if we pray for him, God could save him, and he could be a, a mighty weapon, as Paul was, yeah, for the, I, yeah, for I the absolutely. advancement of Christ. Yeah, Greg, I'm just jumping in because we're, we're out of time. By all means, pray for him. What I encourage people not to do is to try to engage with a professional working in a certain field that's not your field. In other words, there are people that say, oh, I'm going to reach out to Tovia Singer. I've got a great argument, and he's going to get saved. Better to pray for him. Better to pray for him. Now, Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 that God had mercy on him. He was a blasphemer. He was a violent man because he acted ignorantly and in unbelief, right? So that's the difference. Is Tovia acting ignorantly? Uh, May God work in his heart. May, May God save him. I want to see the best for him. I have no animosity towards him. It grieves me that he's destroyed people's lives, but I want to see him saved. If you feel burdened to pray for him, by all means, do so. God bless, friends. We've got a great show. Lots of great questions coming your way tomorrow. Another program powered by The Truth Network.